Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 12 of the Sally Serves It Up podcast. As always, I am fully delighted to be here with you today. I'm feeling particularly uh, caffeinated and quite festive and jolly. The tree is up, the garlands are up. I've put a wreath on every window outside my house. I made a wreath at Eddie's school. I just went and watched him um, sing in uh, some sort of cow performance that he didn't even seem to know was happening this morning. And I'm just super up for it all this year. I am up for Christmas. I'm loving the advent calendar situation. Frank got me the John Lewis beauty one, um, which I actually asked for instead of the Liberties one, because I find it like a little bit less niche and actually more practical for my life. And I'm loving it. Today, I got a really fabulous bronze Charlotte Tilbury eyeshadow situation. And I love a brown muted bronzy eyeshadow. So yeah, I hope you can tell I'm super pumped and I'm even more pumped to talk to you today about urges and desire. So learning to manage your urges in the way that I do it can be one of the most profound shifts you'll make when it comes to losing weight, if that's your goal, or just like finding some peace and agency around things. I know that some of you aren't You don't really want to, you don't have like a lot of weight you want to lose, but you have like five pounds of kind of peace and freedom around food that you want to lose. And if you're someone who experiences strong urges and desire for specific things, and those urges almost feel like they're bigger than you, like they're speaking to you from the pantry or the fridge or from the dinner table, this episode is for you. When you Google what is an urge, it says two things. It's got the verb, which is to persistently persuade someone to do something, and the noun, which is a strong desire or impulse. And obviously, both are incredibly relevant. And I want you to think about when you have an urge for something, how is your brain trying to persuade you to have it? How bloody persistent is it for you to have it? and how strong and impulsive it feels. So I'm going to use my old habit of my 6 p.m. wine as an example to sort of talk to you about urges a bit more. And I used to plow through the day and the urge to have a drink at 6 p.m. was incredibly strong. It felt physical. It was like in my entire body. In the way I would just sort of like hold my breath, it was like... I want to drink in the emptiness in my stomach, even though I have food in my stomach, there was like an emptiness inside of me for the drink. And I I can't really think of any other word to describe it other than like I was gagging for a drink at six o'clock. I had huge, overpowering, strong physical desire. And 6 p.m. was the time that I had told myself now that I had kids was like acceptable. And sometimes I would make it through bath time without a drink, but sometimes, especially during COVID or before COVID, when I used to go to go into work every day, I would come home and do bath time with wine or with a gin and tonic. I had a lot of narrative around this. Things like, this is what you do. Of course I need this. I deserve this. This is something for me. This is how I can get through this. 
I just have to get through this. All of that kind of thing. And the thing with alcohol and sugar and sometimes flour is that when we reward these urges with something that releases so much dopamine, with something that's so concentrated, our brain thinks, wow, that was great. Look at what that urge created for us. Look at what we got as a reward. Look how we got flooded with dopamine. Amazing. Let's do it again. And it creates more urge the following day at the same time, knowing that that's the most likely time it will be rewarded. You know, you don't wake up in the morning wanting it. And it's completely normal. Our brains are hardwired to seek pleasure and and reward. And so, of course, it will want to have that wine more often and be efficient with doing it the same time every day and trying to make that a habit so that it can delegate it from, you know, the upper part of your brain down to the lower part of your brain. And it just becomes something you do. For me, it like it all depends on the things that you think around alcohol. And obviously you can apply this to food, anything that you you have high desire for around food and sugar. Um, So the things that you're thinking about it, how normal it is for you to drink every day and coupled with like your unique response to dopamine and desire and your ability to process your emotions. All of those things will result in your like unique experience with urges. And for me, the urge was just so overpowering. It was just, it just grew, especially during those lockdowns as my boundaries lessened and I felt unsafe and unsure of what the hell was going on and homeschooling and just general like WTF. And the alcohol put all that worry to bed temporarily. It gave me dopamine. It satisfied my brain in the moment. It helped me to cope with all of it in the evenings. It just lessened the discomfort in my body, but it made me sleep badly. It made me hold on to quite a lot of excess weight. It increased my anxiety the next day. It decreased my ability to, it decreased my ability to cope the next day. Um, And it increased my urge for wine as the solve. And it probably also impacted my insulin. And so the loop just continued. And in that way, I felt entirely, totally, completely powerless to it. I would say to myself, like, okay, Sal, like, let's not drink on Monday. And then 6 p.m. would come around and it was like Pavlov's dogs, like the bell was ringing. And I didn't know how to process the urge. I had nothing to hold myself accountable to. I couldn't trust myself and I would just give in. And it was all just so uncomfortable. So there you, there's the problem. <laughs> and with urge management, you want to think about decreasing the amount or at least the intensity of the urges. And you need to think about how it's going to be a process. This isn't going to be like a one one size fits all overnight switch. It's a process to learn and um, access urge management. But if you if you get into that, you will be able to really have agency over your urges. So that like when 6 p.m. comes around, it doesn't mean that you do anything other than what you truly want. So you feel in control of food and alcohol and you can decide what to drink, how much to drink, what to eat, how much to eat, and you're just totally in control. 
to start this, you need to start to allow the urge to be there. Just fully accept that urges are perfectly normal and human and part of like our hardwiring and human instinct and acknowledge that you are perfectly capable of handling them. It's not about overriding them. Instead, you really want to imagine like allowing them to be there. Like think of your body as the house and you are letting the urge in as a guest and you are welcoming it rather than sort of trying to bolt the door shut to it. So you do, you begin this kind of process by noticing the urge and notice when you feel a strong compulsion or impulse for something and just bring it into your body. Where do you feel it? Is it in your stomach? Is it in your chest, your shoulders, your throat? Are you holding your breath? I know that I would shallow breathe quite a lot when I was stressed and wanted to have something to calm me down, essentially. Just connect with the physicality of it all and then tap into your mind. Try to distill and kind of draw out the sentences that you're offering yourself. Oh my God, I just had a vision. (laughs) That bit in Harry Potter where Dumbledore uses the wand and sort of pulls like out a memory from your brain and then puts it in that big sort of font thing. Um, That's quite a niche reference, but... (laughs) That's that's kind of what I want you to imagine. It's like pulling out the thought that's creating this desire in you. Things like, I need this. I want this. One little bit won't hurt. I deserve this Like after the day I've had. And in this moment, when you've acknowledged the physical signs of the urge and the thoughts that are creating it or the one thought that is creating it, you can tell your brain that it's just perfectly normal. I love saying, of course, I have this urge. Of course, it's totally normal. Of course, I can allow it to be here without responding to it. And just watch how your energy shifts as you make that decision to allow it to be there. Like the the way the urge feels in and of itself, I would say, will feel different. It will feel less intense just by doing that, by inviting it in, by opening the door to it. And then you can also do things like look at the clock and think, I'm going to set a timer for five minutes and not do anything until the timer is up. And if after five minutes, I still want it, I will have it. And as the days progress, as you keep practicing and bringing awareness to your urges and how your unique, amazing, beautiful self works and the patterns of it all and when things start to show up for you, you increase the time you're willing to sit with the urge. You start teaching your brain that things might be delayed. Like even a two minute delay will start to shake things up. And in that time where you're waiting and where it feels really uncomfortable and you're just like, oh my God, for fuck's sake, why am I doing this? Imagine bringing all of your focus to where it is in your body and just breathe into it. Really imagine bringing your breath to the area in your body that you feel the urge. Imagine surfing it. Like, I love a visual. I love the idea of surfing an emotion, which is what an urge is. It's what desire is. And emotions typically come and go in waves of just 90 seconds. And that fact might just help you begin to ride out a bit or at least delay the response time. And you only keep feeling that emotion or that urge if you keep thinking the thoughts that create it. 
Like I deserve this. But if your brain isn't being rewarded, especially with a really high dopamine thing, which you want, if you're delaying the reward, it will stop putting so much importance on that thought and it will start to, over time, think something else and offer something else to you. And that's also when you can start thinking intentional thoughts, like, I don't need anything. I've got everything I need. I love that thought. I've got everything I need. It's one that you can start to practice on purpose when you're feeling an urge. But you can only start doing that when you have full awareness that the urge is there, when you know where it is in your body, when you know what the thought is that is creating it. And then you can offer yourself this intentional, beautiful thought that you've got everything you need already. Like, And of course, you have to decide that you want to allow an urge to be there in the first place. So not doing it because you think you should, but because you want to. And allowing, to be very clear, means not resisting. When you resist an urge, that's willpower. That's pushing it back down into your body and white knuckling it. And it will just sort of like pop back up bigger and with more aplomb. Whereas if you can just breathe into it and acknowledge it and allow it to be there, it will eventually move through your body. Your body is not designed to be in a constant state of desire and urge and have these sensations like constantly going through your body. And so it will eventually pass. And the most likely way for that to happen, the fastest way for that to happen is for you to allow it to be there. Really imagine inviting it in. Because that's how the brain will genuinely begin to think otherwise and offer you alternative thoughts. That's how the habit will begin to change. And it's how it will feel so much easier over time. But you have to want to go through the discomfort of allowing it rather than resisting it or rewarding it. A concept that really helped me with my urges and also just with like my general <laughs> mental health and well-being was the concept of the 50-50, which is that all human life is made up of 50% positive and 50% negative emotion. And I know that some of you will be going like, duh, Sal, how did you not know that? But for me, this was actually just a really great reference point for me on a daily basis. And it basically just means that we're not meant to feel great all the time. And I know that some of you know this, but I did not. I definitely wanted to be happy and feel good all the time. And it was in my expectation of that that led me to constantly want high dopamine releasing things to keep me boosted. And, you know, it's probably why I like to make people laugh. There's all sorts of nuances we could go in, go into about it, but I won't. And I used to think things were kind of like more wrong than they actually were because I just didn't feel good. I was stressed or anxious or doubting myself. Whereas when I fully got on board with this concept of the 50-50, it helped me to begin just to sit with my negative emotions, essentially to allow them rather than resist them, to be with my discomfort. And that's what an urge is. It's an uncomfortable feeling. It is not a positive experience. But I would say to myself, I feel this urge. It's perfectly normal. It's part of the human experience. And it feels like shit, and that's okay. This is all part of my life and my sort of 
emotional um, like robustness and strength. Of course, my brain wants that thing, but I'm in charge. I get to decide as long as I allow, like allow this all to be there instead of resist it. And when I allow it, I show my brain at the end of the day that I'm in control, that I hold the power and that the food or the drink or the glass of wine doesn't magically grow wings um, or build a little ladder up into my mouth. And I always get to decide what I do and what I don't do. And negative emotions are just part of the human experience and they don't feel good. And that's okay. Without the good, we can't feel like without the bad, we can't feel the good. And so they are super, super important, especially when you start seeing what maybe those negative emotions might be teaching you, what they might be showing you. If there's anything that you can learn from the negative experience that you're having, like that's where I just find a lot of power. And I also learn a lot about myself. So allowing these urges and getting good at that can be a really symbolic thing for you beyond obviously resulting in creating new habits and essentially weight loss. It can show you that ultimately you're always in control. The buck always stops with you and nothing kind of dictates what you do. Nothing is in control of the action that you take or don't take. And it builds emotional strength and agility, which will benefit you in all areas of your life. Like how could it not? And there are just a few other things that really help with getting in front of urge management. One is planning what you're going to eat and drink the morning of, and then journaling what you actually eat and drink like during that day. And I know that I talk about this a lot, but it's so, so important and so powerful. You're making that plan with your best interests leading the show, not your like habitual subconscious animal brain trying to like seek pleasure in the moment. And so when an urge comes up, which you can expect it to, you have a plan that you've already like committed to and intended to follow. And you can respond to the urge with a thought like, it's not on the plan. And I follow my plan. I love following my plan. I'm totally in control. And the more that you do that, the more you anchor yourself in your plan, the intentional thoughts that you think to sort of counteract the urge, the less you answer the urge with food or alcohol, the less the urge will come up and the less intense it will feel. And the closer you come to what you really want, which is like peace and freedom around food and alcohol, where you're in control and it doesn't control you or what you do. And it's so, so amazing. You just feel lighter for it because it's just not this dominating force in your life. And then another thing that really makes a difference to urges is flour and sugar. There's just no getting away from this. Like it's not just about the dopamine, which you get a lot with sugar, but it's about your insulin response. And really simply like what goes up must come down. And so when we eat really highly processed things that include sugar and flour, it creates a massive insulin response and it will crash. You know, it's just going to crash from going up so high and we will feel rubbish in our bodies and we will want more in order to bring it back up. And it's and it's like that crash feeling, that erraticness. It's like, it's sort of just, oh, it just feels unsteady. Your energy 
is not consistent during the day. It's erratic. And the best way to help with it is by reducing flour and sugar and being really intentional about it. I suppose alcohol also falls into this category. It's very simple. Like perhaps just having those things as your two weekly exception eats. That's how I do it. Like sugar and flour are my two weekly exception eats. And it really helps with ultimately what you desire and the intensity of that desire, as well as like your hunger levels and your satiety and your fullness and all of that. And the last thing is the hunger scale. Just really tapping into that moment when you're having an urge and asking yourself this really simple question. This was really powerful to me. Am I physically hungry or am I emotionally hungry? And when I was emotionally hungry, for a lot of the times where it first started happening, I was able to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to eat them because I'm not physically hungry. But then there are other times when the urges was, were very strong. So if I'm physically hungry, I would ask myself, like, what would be the best thing to eat? And it's probably not going to be the thing that you're having the desire for. If I truly love myself and my body and I respect it and I want to give it so much love and um, an opportunity and possibility, it's like, what can I give it for fuel? And then if I'm asking, like if I'm feeling emotionally hungry, I always ask myself, what do I really need right now? Why am I feeling this way? What am I thinking? What emotion am I trying to resist and not feel? I think like, what emotion am I running from right now? And to be honest, just full disclosure, it's often just like a stress and resistance to the day, to the chores, to the childcare. Because I most feel my urges on Wednesdays when I've got my beautiful, amazing, not full on, you know, I've got Pinocchio nose over here, uh, not full on three-year-old. And then at the weekends when I've got both the kids, like those are the times where I feel urges the most. And so there's no getting away from the fact that it's because of what I'm thinking about my day. And maybe that I'm expecting it to all feel and be better than it is sometimes. In those moments, I take myself out of the room I'm in, go into the laundry room or the loo, and I just take a few deep breaths. I come back to me. I put my hand on my chest and I close my eyes. And I tell myself everything is normal. Everything is exactly as it should be, including how I feel in this moment, including how my children are behaving, like including like everything and everything. It's all correct and just as it should be. And I speak to the thought that's causing the urge. If I'm thinking I deserve this, I ask myself what I really deserve. If I'm thinking I need this, I ask myself what I really need. If I'm thinking I just want this, I ask myself, but what do I really want? And it's 90% of the time, like that it's never the thing that I want the urge for. It's something else. It's something that I can control and something that I can give myself, give to myself out of love and compassion and trust and belief in the goals I've set for myself. That's why having some sort of goal is so important because it anchors you in those moments. And it's a belief in what I want and the quality of the life I want to live. So that is how we begin to change the way our brains work, change our behavior around urges. 
And I hope you can see how all of these concepts and tools that I've talked about throughout the past 11, now 12 podcast episodes, the things that are in my free kickstart guide, all of these tools and concepts start to weave together. So in accepting the 50-50, we can begin to allow our urges to be there without resisting them or rewarding them or thinking anything is wrong for them to be there. We can begin to rewire our brain's desire over time. In reducing flour and sugar, we can begin to change our body's response to things and basically how it functions, which helps so much with decreasing like the dominance of our urges and how much we rely on highly concentrated things to make us feel a certain way. And we add in like planning and the hunger scale to keep us really aware and intentional about things. And just giving your brain this constant instruction every single day. And that might sound like a, like a lot of work, but the reason to do it is so that you retain your power. And I want to offer that it's just not as much work as it might sound. Doesn't take up all your time. And it's so that you are free of all the mind chatter and the diet mentality and of these urges that feel like they're in control. When our emotional well-being is tied up with the food and the alcohol that we are eating and drinking, when we use it to make us feel a certain way or to not feel a certain way, we are using food and alcohol as the reward or solve for an emotion or a problem. And it means that they will be the constant thing in our lives where they hold the power and where they hold the keys to our emotional experience, to what we do and the results that we have. And at some point, I just decided that I didn't want that to be the case. I want to be the thing that decides what I do and the results that I have. I want to be in charge. And in this urge work, in our ability to feel all of our emotions and respond in a way that we want and know that we are totally responsible for creating how we feel with what we're thinking, we're then able to enjoy food and alcohol in a way that serves us. This is not about not having the food and drinks that you love. Absolutely not. I love cooking good food. I love drinking nice wine. But it's about lowering the importance, getting to a place where you just feel in control where it's just all a little bit more neutral. And it's about being intentional and showing yourself who's boss and using your brain and the way that it functions for you rather than against you. These habits are really easy to pick up over time. Like I I keep thinking of like a bag that you're just bringing around through life with you. And you're just like, yeah, I'll put that habit in there. Yeah, I learned that from my parents. I'll put that in there. Oh, I learned that one when I was at uni. We'll keep doing that. And, you know, sometimes you just decide that you want to get back in control of these habits. And this is the way to do it by really supporting your brain and supporting the way your body works, your nervous system and the thoughts that you're thinking that create your feelings that drive your actions. And that is how you get in control. That is how you're like holding your power in your hands no matter what. It's so, so amazing. I love this work so much. So thank you so much for listening. I know today was a long one. Um, I'm going to do a short punchy one next week. I'm really going to challenge myself to get it under 20 minutes for you. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to get in touch. 
you can download my free kickstart guide, which talks more about some of these tools at sallywebstercoaching.com forward slash free dash stuff. And I will see you next week. Have a beautiful week, my friends. Bye.